Okay, so, um, hi, everybody. It's been quite a few weeks, but we were doing something else. In any case, guess who's not here today? Jake's not here. Why isn't he here? Because he's in Hungary. Because he's a... Because <laughs> he's okay. a what? And my associate Luke Coons is I... here, too. Hello. Yes, the associates. The associate. I don't know. I don't know what to say. What should I say? Co-conspirator? Should I say friend? Friend is a little I, boring. So my, I, my friend and colleague, my partner in crime. My friend and colleague. My co. <laughs> my I don't know. So now you get just this, here. You get this. Here. Yeah, you get this half-baked podcast that's probably gonna be so. It's gonna go off the rails. I think it's just gonna go off the rails. And that's fine. No. Unless Luke can um off 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 the rails with your uh, with your chewing. Yeah, I'm eating an apple. It's quite nice. Very delicious. Is it? Yeah. So anyway, go apples. Jake's absence came um, by him and Tim actually going to Budapest to Budapest, which is um, you know in Hungary, which is just four hours away from here. And he went to a Foo Fighters concert. So he got to hang out with Dave Grohl and whoever else the band members are. I don't know. I, don't know. I, just, I just, their songs of are good course. though. So. Um, so what do you think of the Foo Fighters? <laughs> I'm definitely the wrong person to to ask this. I think their songs are great. I like the Hero I've... song. Um, I, don't, I, I think Everlong is like a song that everyone loves and I think it's great. That's all I have to say. Dave Grohl has some great hair. He does. He does have some long, good hair. It's true. I don't really listen to the Foo Fighters. I, I, um, there's nothing about them that has interested me. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they have bad music, though. It just means that I haven't been caught up in their scene. But maybe yeah. Jake can enlighten me. Give me a best yeah. of playlist. Maybe. I and, think he'll. Uh, he's definitely equipped go to from do there. that. Yeah. So, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is number... Welcome to the cast pod. I think I think we're at number 90. Uh, or not. Because, you know... Oh, you've done 100 already. Yeah, we're, we're capping it at 100, so we're finishing it at 100, I think. But why? Why would you do such a thing? I don't know. Maybe we're finishing it, but maybe we're going to keep it on a low down. Like, we're going to take a huge, like, three-year break or something. I don't know. Three-year break! It's just, dude. I just don't like. It's just that we ran out of things to say, and I don't know. I don't know. There's <laughs> never. You can never run. You can never run out of things to say. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> Impossible. Okay. Impossible. You might be right. I could rant for a hundred podcasts on why I hate Marvel so much right now. Oh. So you mean Marvel the comic studio or it, Marvel the, have, the the Marvel Studios? Marvel Studios yeah. and a little bit the comics as well. There's so much you could rent about. So, <laughs> so, so, ha, ha, ha. I think we should so. just mention to everybody that today will probably be the Ranty Podcast, where where two angry people, grumpy yes. people, just start grumping out over yes. over things that we we find annoying and irritating. So you be warned. Yes, it's like when you think of really old men sitting in mm-hmm. in their little morning cafes. You know these old these old geezers who yeah. were angry at you know the the local town for 
you know, someone there's a speed bump out on I ninety, and they need to they need to really sort that out. There's a they haven't here changed and, that in know, fifteen years. These these new whippersnappers weren't sitting around town with their boom boxes. You gotta have a We're, straight we, road. We are those old men. Yeah. Yeah, except we're ranting about youthful things that annoy us. Huh. That's even more like old men. I know, right? Yeah. So, it's um, late June, just about a few days until July, and I heard that yes. War of the Planet of the Apes of the Planet of the Apes is coming out very soon, unless it's already out. I'm not sure. I don't keep track of that. Um, don't don't think it's not out just yet. It's about to take the world by storm. Yeah, and coincidentally, just pure coincidence, uh, you and I decided mm. to watch all five class. Well, not all five. We skipped one, which was the figurehead of the entire. No, no, series. we didn't. We didn't skip. Did we skip one? Yeah, we did. I just didn't feel like watching it because I know that movie front to back. I knew that movie so well. The original classic 1968 no. version. Unless I'm pretty sure you and I watched it ages ago. Oh, we watched it ages ago, but not not like yeah. When I was when I was living at the other flat. Yeah. Yeah, not so these not these two weeks. It was In, within these two weeks we watched no. all the um, other ones. The sequels. True, true, true. We we sped up. We we suddenly watched the second one, and then and then it was just like let's go to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one, and then boom! Yeah, because they've all been consumed. Yeah, Planet of the Apes, one of the first um, franchises, I guess you could say. Um, I can't think of anything before that that had such no. a huge, you know, ex- except maybe the Universal Monsters. But I guess that wasn't really categorized as such back in the day. They just sort of, um, it's not that yeah. tightly knit. I think, I, I think the Planet of the Apes I, uh, films are. A very like they're they were like what franchises are today that they set sort of like the format. What do you think? Um, I would I feel like I would have to research this because I'm not sold. I guess it depends. I don't know. I, I there must be other there's there there are other movies out there that are kind of franchisey. Um, that would have come before this because you mentioned the universal okay. stuff and i mean some of those had sequels so like frankenstein had sequels and there were a lot of uh, i'm i'm sure there were other there must be other things out there that had multiple sequels yeah i mean the yeah they had the when did, when did planet of the apes come out 1968 68 so i mean i guess it depends i mean it's in terms of like a movie franchise it's probably one of the first really good franchise well consistent maybe because like back in the day you know and during the hollywood system i think that's what it was called like that grand golden age time yeah where films where films were created all in-house you know where like 20th century fox owned a set of actors and over there universal owned a set of actors and they wouldn't intermingle and they were drafted like they were in an army yes you know what i mean like one actress just got a like got an assignment it's like you're going to be on this film they didn't have anything to yes. say for themselves. And- See, because I guess, I guess another franchise would be like, well, okay, Basil Rathbone's Sherlock Holmes films, not to bring it back to Sherlock Holmes, but those came out yeah. uh, well well before Planet of the Apes, and those were effectively, that was a franchise, 
Um, so yeah, so there, there were there were other things out there, but I think in terms of like a, a big grand sci-fi film universe, because obviously Star Trek is out by this point and and mm. stuff as well because it's, it's on TV. Um, but but I think as in terms of a, a sci-fi cinematic universe, this might be one of the this might be one of the one of the first to take it quite as far as it as it as it goes because five films half of the franchise well i would say that most movies don't have five films in their franchise but nowadays they are etching towards that quite a bit now which is exhausting indeed they're taking it they're they're, yeah they're taking it into hyperspeed hyperspace hyperspeed yeah that's what i want to say taking it into hyperspeed hyperspeed hyperspace yeah you're right that's from Um, family force five Star Trek in 1966. Mm. And that ran for three years. That that finished 69. Yep. Year of the Moon Landing. Cool. That's that's Bummer. perfect. That's pretty perfect to be honest. And then and then and then Star Trek is and then Star Trek went on to do two more seasons as cartoons voiced by all oh, the original actors yeah. as well. I've seen a so few So it's like they actually shots. get their five seasons. Mm. It's all on Netflix. It's it's cheesy but so good. It's you mean cheesy, the original Star Trek so in general or the or the or the cartoon? The cart, the cartoon, <laughs> the cartoon. I love, I love the show as well, though. I love the original show. Um, I, I think, when I look back at my life, um, I, it really, it's never been modern movies or storytelling that's gripped me. It's always been old stuff. So, like when I was a kid, I loved Star Trek. I didn't like Star Wars much, but I really loved Star Trek. I didn't like any kind of like current sci-fi TV show or like movies, you know, like I loved the mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes movies or I loved um, two of the most current franchises that I liked when I was a kid would have been like Ninja Turtles or Back to the Future. Ninja Turtles. Um, but even superhero movies, obviously that's, you know, Christopher Reeve's Superman was about the only thing that I had. Yeah. Um, that was of any kind of quality in, in Batman. But obviously those those weren't terribly old when I was a kid. Um Yeah. What about the Adam West Batman? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. That's that's another one. Um I grew up watching that. Um I yeah, don't I don't know. I just um I don't know if it was because that's just what was on TV a lot it was a lot of these old reruns from the sixties and seventies, <laughs> but like I yeah. feel as connected to shows like the Adam West Batman or even weird stuff like Gilligan's Island or the Brady Bunch, um, you know, I feel I feel as connected to them as like what I would feel like someone in the '60s or '70s would have felt. Um, yeah, so it's it was. I don't know why it's weird. Yeah, it's, so it's just as engaging to you as it would be for someone who is watching it for the first time back in the past. Mm, yeah. Cool. I I would say so. I agree with you. I mean, I don't. I I don't think I've had that sort of an experience, but the only Star Trek I've actually seen, for the most part, is the original series as well, because it was airing on TV back in 2001 or so in Croatia, on Croatian television, and Jake and I decided to watch it, somewhat ironically, because we were were hecklers, um, but we liked it (laughs) anyway. We thought they were really fun episodes. I think the biggest one... It's good. I mean... Go on. Um, the biggest one that I remember was the one where... Now, you're going to have to help me out because I've only seen this when I was eight or nine, and this was in Austria. And it kind of 
kind of disturbed me. Um, it's where um, okay. it's where Spock turned bad, or either Kirk turned bad. But either way, they were having to fight each other, and there were some kind of blob things that were controlling their minds, or something like that. Was that a movie, or was that an episode? Uh, I'm pretty sure that no, that's that's an episode. It's not in the movies. Um, it's not the parallel universe one. Uh, because they, I know what you're talking about. Like these blobs looked like, as far as my recollection goes, like fried eggs. You know what I mean? They kind of looked like they were glowing fried yeah. eggs or something. And of course, there's the episode with the tribbles, which I saw when I was a kid, and I still remember that. And that's one of the things <laughs> that made me actually go, "Ha ha! Star Trek Into Darkness is so great because it had tribbles." Unfortunately, this was the same initial reaction I had when I watched Jurassic World, and uh, we can talk about that too. And I, we can talk about how blinded I was. Yes. By, by, um, by fan service. All the references by, by fan service. <laughs> And how the size and spectrum, like the, and how the the gigantic size of the screen and the loudness of the theater really uh, changes your rational thinking into emotional. And then when you watch something that's so saturized with like things that hit you on an emotional level, like, you know, like nostalgic things, that sort of makes you feel like, Mm. oh, you know, oh, it's so great, and you don't think rationally enough until you had a time to think about it over a few drinks later on, maybe the day after. And that happened to me with yeah. Jurassic World, and I, I think I told people this on a podcast uh, maybe a year ago, that um, every time I see Jurassic World again, I get more and more upset and angry <laughs> at that film. Oh, yes. to a yes. point where I watched it recently, like... I think last month and I, I was just, I was not, I was not a happy camper watching that. No, not at all. And I can't find the villains that you're talking about, but I do know you for Star Trek, by the way, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to find it, but I can't. Wow. Um, so sorry. I can't confirm. That's I know, I know what it is. I can, I can see it in my head, but I, I am struggling to, to narrow it down. So Someone on the podcast listening find us. Oh, I hope so. I hope someone knows people. something. Yeah, the blob, the fried egg blobs that were controlling people's minds. Um, yeah, no, I think yeah, the, the whole the the whole fan service thing is annoying, um, and the loudness of movies is annoying. Because see, I hated Ro- uh No, I hated. Um, uh, I hated the Force Awakens when I when I initially saw. Like, I walked out of the theater and I was like, is which one? The it? first one? Like. Yeah, The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. Oh, The Force Awakens. I thought you said Star hated. Trek. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. The Force Awakens. I hated it because it felt like nothing but just yeah. spoon-fed fan service and rehashing of A New Hope. So I hated it. And then I went to go see Rogue One, but I went with a couple of friends, and it was a, it was in a theater here in Central London, like right the, during the week that it opened. The theater was a rather small theater because you don't really get big theaters in central London because it's such a tight, compact place. Um, so this is a relatively small theater, but crammed packed with like every single like Star Trek nerd uh, or Star Wars nerd possible. Um, yeah. And so you had all this like you had all this hype around you. You know, so you got the um, cheering and, it, and you it, got it, the the vocal you reactions. Did. You did the clapping. Yeah. 
Like, when people... when uh, That's why I laughed so much when I watched the Red Letter Media review of, of Rogue One. Because uh. when they were like, you know... <laughs> I saw Darth Vader and I clapped. It's true. It was it, that that did genuinely happen at my screening as well. And it was it was, was kind of cringy, but you know, you kind of you kind of get sucked up in this like, ooh, yeah. we're all having a yeah. good time. Um, but then afterwards, and even actually, even when I left the film, I kind of walked out feeling positive. I was like, yeah, that was kind of fun. You know, I really liked the Darth Vader scene. Um, I, really, I liked the Darth Vader scene. I liked. Um, I did in some ways and still kind of do like the, like almost direct tie in into, Star- into a new hope kind <laughs> of, but I hate with a burning passion, princess Leia. I think if the film would have ended with the doors opening and we didn't see her face, like that would have been much better because the CGI thing was terrible. The CGI Tarkin was terrible. And then as I become further removed from it, like a few days later, I start to realize just how how vapid the story really was it was just and and how how pointless the characters were oh yeah we watched Um, the film uh recently again and um these things they don't hold up after the first viewing they you start noticing what's been missing aside from the fact that it's star wars you know yeah it's like loud big loud action and you know things that are star warsy and that's it and 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 it's not like it's not creative it's not unique like it's there's just there's there's a there's a i don't know there's there's something there's just something missing and i i mean the main thing is just is interesting characters um what characters because yeah uh, that's what i'm saying like there are all the all anyone who everyone who's in like you know the force awakens or in rogue one they're all just really like they're really boring like when I, I think the penny dropped when I realized I didn't like Rogue One. When I was like, the best character was the emotionless robot. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, okay, if that's your favorite character, something's wrong because everyone loves R two, everyone loves C three PO, but you probably resonate more with either Han, Luke, or Leia. Yeah, you know, because they're the real flesh and blood. They're the people that you're supposed to connect with yeah and yeah. and stuff and and you just you just don't i don't you know i didn't connect with ray i didn't connect with poe i didn't connect with uh what what's the other guy's name finn can i remember his name finn 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 um i didn't connect with Jin or so i didn't Jin and with finn. angry angry murderous mexican man oh um, <laughs> or 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 the, the Japanese or whoever we can't uh, remember tiger guy <laughs> you know I can't remember the names I don't know their names um and like I'm not just being funny like I, I don't they were so yeah boring that's... but you can look back at the old Star Wars and you can rattle off tons of names because those characters popped made a statement you know? they made a like statement General for their Tarkin. personality yeah exactly so anyway let's go away from star wars again because we're always going into the star wars thing um okay so what can we say i watched i saw guardians of the galaxy volume two have you and what did you think i have seen it ah uh jacob hasn't because uh i went by myself oh no yeah so he doesn't know what to expect but um there's a there's a curious thing about guardians which is I liked it. I did. However, I felt that 
Maybe it's just the cinematography that... I mean, it's still better than other movies in the same series, in the same Marvel Studios series, but uh, there's always something that could have been done with like more organically. I don't know. I always feel like uh, the the progression of, of the story... There's a lot of scenes that are great uh, on a fundamental level, on a level of what it does to the plot and what it's supposed to do for the characters, but it wasn't subtle. It wasn't um, refined enough to be, uh, to have blended into an experience that uh, seems more uh, polished. Uh, Like, for example, there's a scene with um, Michael Rooker! What's his name? Oh, Yondu. With Yondu! And... um, and Rocket Raccoon. You got an English accent. Sorry. Uh, yes. Yondu. Yondu. And Rocket Raccoon. He's a hillbilly. <laughs> yeah, he's a hillbilly. Rocket. Rocket. A little trash panda. <laughs> um, and Rocket, and they're talking in the ship, and there's, it's like the whole yeah. scene felt to me like it was just meant to be an exchange of information based on their pasts, which is great on a fundamental level, on, the, on a level of what the characters are supposed to do in um, in tandem with each other and how they're supposed to relate. But, like, I felt like if they could go with, like, three or four more drafts of rewriting it and just massaging it into the picture with uh, by giving scenes uh, a, a multiple purpose instead of just one, I think it would have been a... Uh, it would feel less technical and mechanical. And I don't know. Maybe that is Marvel Studios, um, you know needing a film to come out in what was it may 2017 and they have to make that deadline such as Mm. what we've heard with um well guardians was pushed early yeah it was moved early it was supposed to come out in 2018 but they pushed it ahead yeah uh considerably i don't know it's interesting um it's funny you say what you've just said because i listened to um the previously recorded uh, I mean, the re- guys, on Red Letter Media. Um, and who is... Yeah, uh, who is an offshoot of that. So, and and the, the dude, Jack, was basically saying what you were saying. He was like, they were they were showing... Um, they were telling too much and not showing enough. And so I kind of see what you're saying. Like, the scene with Rocket and Yondu, there are a lot of scenes where the characters are just kind of sitting yeah. there talking and kind of talking you through the plot and talking you through the, who the characters are. Um the the thing is, I still really like the film. I mean, I um, I almost like I, I I got a little choked up at the end. You know, I got a little choked up. I like that. Yeah, I mean, there was so much that film did right, and and kept me engaged from the beginning to end because it's it's a pretty long film. It's over mm-hmm. two hours long, and it sure as heck did not feel it didn't like no. that. Like when it was over with, I didn't f- like I did not feel like I had spent like two two hours in a bit in the cinema but you have um, to I actually was feeling like it was sorry uh i was just gonna again. say but you have to admit that when the third act comes up and they're fighting i kind of started you know you know looking at my watch and hoping you know come on let's get this over with a little bit because i think i think it does suffer a little bit i i didn't i didn't i really didn't i i still enjoyed it um yeah, so oh, no, okay. I, I didn't, at any point in the film, I didn't think like, are we about there yet? I just, I really was, I went <laughs> along for the ride, and it, it, 
it works. It, it there are those there are those few problems where I think yes, they probably told more than they uh, than they could have shown um, in hindsight. But I I I haven't seen enough of James Gunn's films. That's a fun phrase, James, James Gunn's, Gunn's films, films. Um, to see <laughs> to know if like that's just his writing style because you know he he seems to be in a fortunate position where he can just write these films by himself uh and then submit it to marvel and if they like it they like it if they don't they don't and i remember him saying he wrote this film sent it to them and they basically basically approved it um that's nice as as it was um so i mean there's i think there's there's that really nice aspect to it so i think you know it could it could be a james gunn thing where he likes these just character chatty moments um and likes to have people kind of talk back and forth to each other and be and be uh quippy and stuff um but i think yeah i think there could have been a few more moments but i think for me uh, there was such a an heavy uh kind of a, a, a heavy focus on drax and and uh, mantis and and mantis feeling so much of Drax emotions um, uh-huh. that was showing yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot and not no, that telling was nice. much. That's cool. That, that was great. I felt like, um, and I felt like I know I agree. It was that was one of the best scenes in the in the movie. But I felt like every single character in this movie went through some sort of character growth, um, which is difficult for a lot of films especially a comic book film very very rarely do you feel like every single character goes through some sort of growth um and i think i have to in some ways applaud james gunn for being able to pull that off because i mean even even baby group goes through a change you know from the Uh, beginning to the end and and, we get to see a little uh, bit more with uh, like rocket you know as well yeah, yeah. It yeah. seems like every. It seems like it's all. Kind of no, like, it's everybody actually. All of them actually have some kind of nice personal thing yeah, going on. They do. They do. They they do. It's it's. I think one of the one of the things that make me that if I were to poke at would be the beginning when, uh, when Yondu is kicked out of the Ravengers. Um, and like, oh, you're being kicked yeah, out because you, you kidnapped a you kidnapped a, ch- a child, yeah. And it was kind of like, well, I mean, everyone knew that he kidnapped Peter Quill, so like, right. Why is this an issue now? Yeah, it's like you know, yeah. It yeah. So th- that's the only thing. That's the only thing that I was just kind of like, eh. Okay, you you've that's just really convenient right now. Because, like, you know, we all knew that he was kidnapped, so I don't understand why this is coming up now. If it had been, like, a secret this whole time, or or if it had been kind of... Yeah, exposed, exposed in some way, in yeah. the previous film. That would have, that would have made yeah, it more Yeah, but it legit. seemed like everyone, everyone knew. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's probably my biggest issue, is, is that... Is okay. That um... <laughs> But I even like the villains. I think no, all the yeah, villains are um, really good. Sorry, I, I, I mean, I, can go I mean, this is a spoiler now. We're going um, to spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen Guardians, Jake, um, you're gonna have to skip, skip until the next chapter on the 
timeline or whatever. Okay, spoiler. Go, t- go, yeah. spoiler. The um, um, Russell Crowe. No, <laughs> Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Uh, Kurt Egon. Russell. No, Ego. Just Ego. Not Egon. Ego. Egon Spengler. Yes. Um, e- ego, yeah, the, the living, living planet. planet. That's, that's him. I don't know. Like, for me... I liked it, but I didn't like it at the same time. I felt like it was just like a, it hit the roof of, of of um, things I've seen before too much, and it should have gotten out of the roof and done a little bit more. But uh, yeah, what do you think? I suppose. I mean, I, I mean, I, I kind of liked Ego. I think he was. I think Kurt Russell was pretty. pretty yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. definitely. Um, he was just kind of, he was just suave and full of himself the whole time, which was just perfect, yeah. I think. And, and I, I liked, I liked how he was, I liked how he was kind of manipulating Peter's emotions. Playing ball. I do almost wish that, yes, playing ball is quite funny. <laughs> it's so um, funny because like, I'm in that, Croatia, that right? And, uh, in our high tech studio, which is in Chicago, but still, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> We, uh, when I went there and there's like a, uh, like half of the uh, theater was filled in with people and it seems like no offense to anyone who's Croatian, but they, they didn't get that kind of subtlety because me and my friend, uh, his name is the great dictator on, on YouTube and he does, uh, CG animation. So he's watching this movie with me. Both of us got it exactly, you know, like, um, the slow motion thing and the laughing and we thought it was hilarious. No one else was laughing. Went a little over their heads. <laughs> that's that's disappointing because that's such a like. I know that's a really American thing, Western thing, but I feel like that's still quite a universal. It's kind of like American and cheeseburgers. Everyone should kind of. Understand I, I know, the, but it's but it's sort of, of like of, it's it's meant to be made fun of. It's a subtle form of humor that I don't think that that translated. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, no, I liked it. I think. Um, I think the the bit where I was a kind of like eh was when Peter started to be started to become a little bit hypnotized. Oh um, yeah, that didn't go anywhere anyway. See, that's like stuff that probably didn't even need it, to it, be. Yeah, like it was about to go somewhere until Ego was like, "Shame, I had to put that tumor in your mom's head," <laughs> which was probably the darkest thing I've ever seen in a Marvel film, but played off so lightly. Um, yeah, it was a very bizarre moment. Um, I think that stuff, it was, it was, and I think this is kind of where it goes back to maybe they did tell a little bit more than they, than they, uh, show they could have showed. Um, because I think it would have been a little bit nicer if say like, you know, when, when, um, Oh, what's Zoe Salada's Saldana? character's name? Um, what's her name? Yeah. Uh, uh, green girl. Green girl. Gamora. Duh. Right. Okay. So when Gamora is off on her little mission to kind of explore the planet, like, I think it would have been really great to have seen, like, her uncover something, you know, like her uncover that, uh, you know, maybe the truth about Peter's mom. And then that could have, like, Cause a little bit more interpersonal conflict between between those between those two. Right. Um, that would have been kind of nice. Um, but I also uh, I think the thing is, it feels like they were trying to cram so much into this film because, like I said, it is a bit longer than your standard Marvel flick, 
and everyone has these arcs and so i think sometimes it's just kind of rushed out because i do kind of wonder why would ego just be like you have killed your mom but i guess that also isn't out of character because he's very egotistical he's probably thinking why wouldn't you know i'm a i'm a freaking right bad I get it, a. I get it. so i can just do i can just do and just say whatever i want and also no one else previously had like relinquished or wanted to not join him you yeah, know yeah, yeah. like no, no, they absolutely. all died but everyone else so you know yeah I think on a whole, I think it was a really good, fun movie. And it, finally, like, there was some freaking color <laughs> in a Marvel movie, you know? Like, jeez. Like, oh, I can't even... I'm so bored watching those... These... These mooted... Films. Yeah, yeah. Um, that they're bringing, bringing out now. Definitely. It's just it's just very frustrating. It's very frustrating. So, yeah. Guardians, I, I quite enjoyed. Nice. I was gonna watch Alien Isolation. I mean, Alien Insult Insult what it whatever it's called. Alien Covenant. Covenant. But you're Covenant. the only one who saw it. I don't think we should talk about it because whatever, I don't care. Um what I do care about is we watched all five apes movies, man. Yes, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Okay, that. so Planet of the Apes. This is a wonderful classic science fiction film, which was originally written in France by French author, um, by Pierre Boulle, and that's cool. Is my 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 copy of the book has it's 3D, so I have I have cool retro 3D glasses huh. that I can look. It's the original novel, the right? It is the original novel, correct? Okay. And I've read the first 30 30 pages. I read those today, um, out of curiosity. Okay. Um. All right. Well, the original wonderful classic. Uh, Jake and I watched that since we were kids. I I remember seeing it for the first time. I loved it. I didn't expect that twist at the end. And, of course, this is great because it's co-written by Rod Serling and Michael Wilson. And uh, Rod Serling is known for creating The Twilight Zone. And you can tell that sort of um, uneasy feeling is all over the script and is at the end you know it was his idea obviously yes. for the that shocking ending i know the spoiler is around 50 years old just about but um i still can't help not spoiling it because if you haven't seen the original planet of the apes it's a wonderful film it's one of my favorite movies everything is great <laughs> about it and uh, i'm kind of of the mind where if it's so old like something like this is, I can't really call this a spoiler. Okay. You know, I mean, like it's so old. Like everyone knows that at the end, it is what it is. You know, we can try and fulfill your wish and not say. But I think, I think reality is everyone knows. Yeah, I guess. But it was awesome. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't remember what age I was when I first got into these films. Um, I was quite young. Um, I remember them being on. I think it was on AMC um, when I was a kid, and they would do like the whole thing. These weeks, kind of like, kind of like you know how like TNT or whatever used to do like fifteen days of 007 um, every year, and they would just play every single Bond film like on repeat for for two weeks. Yeah. Um, they would AMC would do the same thing with with Planet of the Apes. They'd have these eight marathons, and they would they would play these films, they would play these documentaries and stuff like that about the movies and. I think that's I can remember that vividly, like really like gripping me and, and pulling me into the um, 
into the series. Um, and then I remember buying the, the D, the VHS of Planet of the Apes. Um, Absolutely. And the VHS was, uh, had a stinking awesome. spoiler on the cover of the thing. It just reveals the ending, which is so good. If you don't know, but again, um, what can I say? I just, I, I go on. No, was, I mean, like I get it. Like I get that you would, you want to keep that a secret, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's so past that that I know it's I know it's, it be, it became it's, it's it became an image like of the film you know like when people think about Planet of the Apes you probably yes. do think about the statue and everything but uh, you do you do all right well anyway um, this movie is wonderful film is if I if I felt like it I could just talk about the entire thing and just talk about what makes it so good and what I oh, like. Okay, well about tell it. me tell me this. Tell me like what's what's like two main things that you that you love. Alright, well here's film. the main thing that I love about it, and this is related to all the other apes films after this. I mean, you know, from the original series. And that's the concept. I think in the end, the concept of this upside-down world that you can reflect on uh, societal and uh, political aspects that you can, you know, it's like a mirror into uh, modern culture and uh, our treatment to each other and how it feels mm. if something is, you know, reversed like that, is, you know, perversed like that. And um, using apes because, you know, they're the closest relative to our species just hits it so much closer to home, you know, just makes it so fascinating. And then the imagination that you can come mm. through that and the tone that you can make out of that, which is what they did. And the, the tone that they put into this film is also really perfect to uh, making these talking, talking monkeys, making them feel legitimate. And I just, I think that's what makes it so uh, fascinating to me, and that's why I love it so much. Yeah, no, I think I would have to agree with that um, 100%. I think as well, like, when you look at science fiction, and when you look at really great science fiction, um, the whole kind of concept of of dealing with, like, cultural and uh, kind of racial differences and stuff like that, you can do a book that's all about, you know, the difficulties of an African-American male living in Tennessee dealing with redneck hillbillies who are racist against him and stuff like that. Um, but the problem is, is sometimes when those kind of stories are just, they're too real. And so they don't, they don't sing. You, you can't get away with as much, but with things like science fiction and things like Planet of the Apes, I mean, they are such a product of their time. I mean, obviously during the sixties and seventies, there was the, um, the kind of, revolution and 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 kind of explosion of of, of trying to bring about um uh equality yeah. between you know everyone um you know between uh you know people of color and women and all this kind of all these kind of social justice issues that were that were being fought at the time um and you can really see that reflected um incredibly well in that first in that first yeah. movie, this whole just kind of the way that the humans are getting beat up by these apes and how there's these war-driven apes and how there's these peaceful apes who want all this peace and equality and, and you know, right. the chimpanzees are basically the hippies and the gorillas are the, are the you know, the right-winged, just, I want to blow blow everyone up and kill everyone and, and, and uh, you know, the orangutans are just these kind of, like, on-the-fence government people who... Kind of know things. But the don't pencil wanna, pushers you know, don't want to expose the secrets. 
<laughs> yes. Um, and I, I love the way they do that. Cause I mean, like, I mean, that's obviously one of the things that I love about things like, um, you know, things like X-Men. As well. Oh yeah. It's a very similar these, thing. These things that can be these, when, whenever, when you can have this really powerful metaphor, um, and imagery to expose things, um, within our own society, um, it can really go a long way. I, I, I do, I always kind of really believe that that's one of the biggest and best things about science fiction. Um, yeah writing is is you can really drive home these points a lot better than you can if it was done through like a general fiction and you or can kind of a, a i would i would also argue story. that you can reach more people because it's a mo- it's a more um interesting topic it's yeah. something that's kind of made, made out of imagination instead of exactly and like some of the stuff I and mean, people like you go in and you say oh it's a movie about apes that rule the planet you're probably not going in expecting such uh you know such such deep kind of resonating themes yeah. um as well which i think that's something that's quite impressive and something that when i look back to a lot of films um and tv shows like star trek and stuff like that at that time i mean they were really driving things home that you know that are quite they're very progressive um, oh yeah, Star even to Trek. the point to where like they're even progressive. Even they're even progressive now. Like people nowadays still don't get what these messages are <laughs> um, and haven't really come fully around to them. That is, uh, it's, it's true. Ah, it's it's, it's yeah. shocking. Um, and I mean, like that. There was a really great scene in in Conquest of Planet of the Apes when the main bad guy. That's the fourth one, yeah. Yeah, it's the fourth one. When the main bad guy is talking to Caesar. And he's like, you know, the reason that we hate you is because oh, you remind us of the evil of the evil within us, and that's why we hate you so much. And it's like, it's not like they they don't hate you; it's them hating themselves for not understanding, and then they corrupt that inability or laziness yeah. um, to understand something and turn it into this kind of vengeful, hateful thing. Uh, this kind of uh, oppressive. Yeah, that's one know, of the best parts of the film that they then impose. Yeah, and I think, and I mean, it's just like when when you see that, and it's just like like that right there, like resonates so well with what that time period was going through, but also resonates so well now with what what peoples are are going. And through. also, it also um, fits right in with the movie that they were making, <laughs> you know, with the concept of it does, and we it will does. be ruled by a planet of apes. A planet of apes. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that, I think that's what, as we kind of progressed and, like, we went on to, like, the second film, and the second, the second film, film is Beneath the Planet, the planet of the, of the Apes. Yeah. It's yeah. a wonderful thing about like, the... I'm sorry. They, sorry. Uh, it's just really difficult when, we, when we're on, talking through voice. We can't see each other, so it's always hard whenever we start interrupting and stuff like that, because <laughs> you can't tell when that's going to happen. Uh, so I apologize, Luke. Um, but I wanted to say, like, uh, it's okay. So yeah, Beneath the Planet of the Apes is just kind of funny because that thing came out like a year after the first one or two years after the first one really quickly. Mm. Charlton Heston was the main guy in the first one and we all love his wonderful acting. He was kind of, I don't know, in that movie, he Damn. yeah, he kind of felt like, I'm not drawing comparisons based on who they are as actors, but I'm just drawing comparisons based on who their person, how their personalities feel like in the respected films, but he's like Arnold Schwarzenegger of, of planet of the apes. You know what I mean? Like you can easily yeah. see Arnold being in this, yeah. like my name is Taylor. Yeah. And he would do the same thing. Cause he's a huge <laughs> jerk, right? In that film. And that, it was wonderful. I'm so glad he's in that film. 
Uh, but I wanted to say that Charlton yes. Heston didn't want to do the second film. He didn't want to do any more apes. Um, and uh, yeah. so <laughs> in this movie, they only got him um, because of making a deal that as long uh, as he can blow up all the apes and kill them all at the end of the film, he'll be in the beginning and at the end. Eh, all right. Cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so go on. Beneath. Which is absolutely hilarious. It is. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious that he, that he did that. And, and I, I love the, the how they got around that by casting someone who looks exactly like Taylor <laughs> or exactly like Chuck Heston. Um, and, and they, they use it to their advantage. They're not, they're not stupid about it. Like they, they use it, um, to kind of yeah, in the movie. have people kind of scratch their heads and be like, what? Like it's, it's a very kind of, it's a kind of meta thing really. And it, it's, it's surprising that they do that kind of referencing. But yeah, I think again, like you kind of think, oh, like I think when we compare, like, I don't know if we should start comparing to the, to the new ones already, know. but like the, you know, the first Planet of the Apes was, was really great, and then like the second one takes you right back to the same, the same place, the same people. It's kind same of the same thing, yeah. Um, Why? But, but at the same time, it manages to show you, it manages to show you something brand new. It shows you a different aspect of this of this world. Like yeah. there is a there is a long period that's kind of you know introduce that you have to kind of because Chuck didn't want to do the next film, you obviously had to reintroduce Brent who had to see all the horrors and blah, blah, blah. So you have this first half that's a bit kind of, like, repetitive. But once they move out of the ape city and they're on their way to the Forbidden Zone and stuff like that, like, then it, I mean, it really kicks off and starts doing some really weird, weird. stuff and shows you some really weird things. Yeah. Um, um, I have to say, that, like... That I thought was really, really cool. Like, just even even with this one, like, you know, it, it, it keeps... They keep progressing with their themes, you know? Like, they're still tackling this... The kind of general theme of of inequality and racial divide, um, but now this beneath the planet of the apes really has that sort of um, kind of pressures of of war and and humanity sure. and humanity and ape apedom's self destruction. Yeah, what's what's um, wonderful, which I thought was go on. I was which I thought was a really interesting thing. Like, I mean, this whole kind of this whole kind of this this bomb that is the alpha and the omega and they're praying to this bomb and it's like their religion is you know is nothing but war it's it's such a it's such an honest and scary thing bring things to Um, the almighty bomb again the almighty fallout yeah again very fitting with the times but like also still very fitting with our own current times because it's it's just like the idea of having these horrific weapons is 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 terrifying and and yet i just i think you know when they when they get to that point in that in that film when they start meeting when they meet the mutated humans and they are just so so pious and so just they're so weird i don't know so pious and so weird yeah like there's just really haunting thing like that's something that they all these films do really freaking well is like create this sense of disturbance yeah you know when you're watching when you're watching everything um you know the first one is horrific and scary and the second one is is even though it rehashes still manages to create a new sense of of horror Um, and and bizarreness yeah so like um all of the later sequels 
except for Battle, which was uh, half written by him. But all the sequels were written by Paul Den. Yes. Who also um, wrote uh, Goldfinger, which is interesting. Oh. Yeah, isn't that great? Easily one of the best. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul Den, he he did, he made up these sequels, and I think, to his credit, he just really had so many great concepts and ideas to put into each and every one of these sequels instead of um, rehashing it with um, with a story that's like sort of like you you can't imagine someone like him going okay this is a movie it's going to be one it's going to be three parts but it's going to be an overarching story you know and it's like splitting one story yeah. into, which is what I feel like the new ones are kind of doing <laughs> yes. um, but yeah uh so spoilers on this one in in beneath the planet of the apes um uh the the whole thing blows up and uh the whole thing the whole world implodes yeah and turns into implodes yeah there's no life left on it yeah significant planet yes. of earth it's a, it's and I like I love the fact that Chuck Heston is like I'm going to blow up the whole thing. He's probably thinking, "Fantastic! I will never have to do another one of these. This will be the end." Nope. <laughs> still got, there's still three more. Three films, more buddy, movies and a TV series and a TV series, TV series and and comic books and everything. Um, but I think hope you got royalties. This is where the series who Chuck Chuck no he wouldn't have done not for anything after Apes Two um, <laughs> unless they use his. They don't use they don't use any of his him him so I seriously doubt that he would anyway getting off topic um apes three apes three escape, escape from, from the planet, planet of the apes. apes another and this is where totally different film on. totally different yeah that's what I say like this is what is great like the first two obviously are very similar and have these these similar looks and stuff um but obviously tackle I think I feel like they tackle very different themes and then this the third one does something so batshit crazy that it, it almost comes across as like the idea. Like if you just speak the idea, it's and like you a say spoof. It, it sounds, it sounds retarded. <laughs> Sorry. You can't say retarded. Um, but, yes, you um, can on the internet. You can say anything. <laughs> you can say anything. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. The, the whole concept of apes from the future somehow managed to go back in time and live in the 1970s whatever like it's just it's it's such a stupid idea but yet they do it with such a like tongue-in-cheek kind but of it way. works so well they really pulled like it, it off it works so, yeah um, uh, during the next half it gets more serious and like legit like it totally like makes you rethink this whole yes. concept and it's like wait a second well, what i thought was brilliant about what? No, it just makes you makes you go. Wait a second. This isn't as oh, ridiculous as it right. is. It's actually really clever. What? What I thought was really cool about Apes Three as well, but uh, Escape was that like the music. Yeah, the music. Jerry Goldsmith. The music of the series is 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 interesting anyway. But the, especially for the third one, where we come back to the nineteen seventies, nineteen sixties, and there's still this like. Planet of the Apes ish vibe yeah, to yeah. the music, but it's all being played through like seventies like seventies bass riffs and stuff. Kind of, um, yeah, yeah, Jerry, and it's so good. Yeah, Jerry Goldsmith uh, didn't do the second one, but he came back to do uh, the third one, 
And um, he mm. definitely, you know, because he did the first one. So um, he definitely brought mm. back certain, you know, uh, musical identities that came from the first one like that. Uh, I don't know what instrument that is, but the one that goes... And um, oh, I fucking love yeah, that! I love yes, the, yes, and uh, and and he it's really and he put hor- that in. It's a really scary noise. It's great. I love it. And he and he put that in with um, with with the with the seventies bass riffs and it works. It just works. And he knows yeah. that guy knew it, so well was, how to balance a, a movie emotionally when it comes to the musicality of it. Yes. And I think something you pointed out that I wholly agree with is there's a there's a passing comment in the first Apes film where they speak about the Doctor who kind of invents this this uh, time travel theory. Um, and oh yeah, it's just a passing line. You don't ever you don't ever think about this Doctor uh, Doctor Hirsch something Hesline um, Doctor Hesline name now Hesline at, at yeah, the you, very you never, yeah yeah this like at the very beginning Charlton has yeah, you don't I mean Taylor just goes like you know and that concludes Hesline's hypothesis and he's talking about this wormhole travel through time or whatever and that's Hesline's yes. hypothesis. Let's go on fictional Doctor yes, and this is this is where the. This is where the apes films start to get, I think, really clever and use these things to to richen their uh, their mythology without feeling like everything is beaten in and like uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, like um... annoyingly annoyingly connected, like say the Marvel films. Um, <laughs> so I think, it's, I think it's great. Like Peter Parker, he was in Iron Man too. Of course he is now. We'll get of to that. Of course. He- <laughs> um, but but I think like that's that was really cool. They turned this Doctor Hesline into a main antagonist. Really, he's he's, he's the antagonist of the of the story. Yeah. And you know, it's just like all he was was a passing comment. He was just he was just a passing name. And you're kind of like, oh, and then suddenly he becomes this flesh and blood character who is just an asshole. But not just um, that. He also easily. but he also has he also makes hugely like persuasive points. Uh, based on like his point mm. of view and he's just thinking yes you know if we leave you know the the apes that came in through time here and if they start to multiply what will that happen to you know human civilization in the future so he has some you know he's not completely a psychopath which um i'm sure is but something that the irony is his own his own fear leads to the self-destruction because he's so bent on making sure these two apes can't have a kid and killing them that like, you know, the whole idea and the whole kind of planet of the apes probably would have been averted or been completely different had Cornelius and Caesar, Caesar, Caesar been able to, (laughs) Caesar, Caesar, uh, been able to, to Caesar, you mean Zira, (laughs) Zira, Cornelius and, and Zira, Cornelius Um, and Zira. Yes, had they been able to live like and raise their kid, that would have been a completely different timeline. You know, he's sitting here worried yeah. about this this future timeline, and he's sitting here worried that these two are going to cause it. So he has to kill them, and the very fact that he does kill them sets off this chain reaction that eventually leads yeah to humanity's downfall. And I think I think that's really where this film series just gets just stupidly clever, but they do it really simplistically. I don't know if that's a word, Absolutely. but they do it very simply. Um, and 
And you have these other f- films, you know, that just are like so, like the Terminator franchise is so like self-important and going back and forth and changing timelines and da 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 towards like confusing and you don't give a shit. You're talking um, about but the, it's like this, the, the, this... The, the, the third and fourth and fifth, hopefully. Yeah, everything, everything three, three and beyond. I mean, you know, when you one and two are are solid, but um, everything else is stupid. Um, <laughs> so like. So yeah, so like with these, like with with Escape, like it turned the franchise on its head because you're so used to this apes living, apes controlling the world. And now we go back to humans controlling the world and they're the outsiders. And then it's like this whole kind of how can we advert everything that happens that leads to apes one and two. And it's because we know that the, the destruction of the earth is going to come. And that's the big worry in the third film is we know this and they tell us this and da, 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 da. And it just, it just, again, shoots off with these these themes and I love the fact that like it kind of has that Spider-Man theme where uh where the Green Goblin's like eventually they will hate you and that I mean, <laughs> that kind of that kind of happens because you know every, everyone everyone loves Cornelius and Zira um like who doesn't like they're like these celebrity couple and and then suddenly by the end of the film they're like they're freaking fugitives yeah it's just great because stuff. they had a kid you know it's 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 it really highlights uh, one. Of the, I think the most prominent thing with this film is it highlights what it's like to potentially be like an immigrant. Yeah. In in a society that kind of embraces you, but kind of doesn't, and it's tremendous. It's it's. I think as we were watching them, dude. I think like I just kept getting more and more impressed with the the themes that they kept tackling, yeah. um, because they kept getting deeper and and scarier and and really important i thought yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty rad um then there's conquest of the planet of the apes which i haven't seen since i was maybe i don't know 13 or something and back then i didn't get it right but now i watched it again and i have to say i have a newfound respect for conquest of the planet of the apes which is the fourth one with the ape uprising and was pretty much the the movie that they remade for Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Um, came out in 1972. Yes, I mean, it's... Yes. And uh, it's about, uh, it's about uh, Caesar, who's, uh, you know, the child. The child of Cornelius and Zira. The secret child. Secret child. The secret survival. Mama. Surviving Mama. child. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he's... So I've, and it takes, takes place in the distant future me. of 1991. In a future where all dogs and cats are dead and humans have taken apes as their pets. Which, again, this is another reason why I still love this show and this series. Yeah! Is because they just they just do these really simple things to kind of explain why things are progressing in this way. And you just go with it. It's like, okay, if, if heck, if all the dogs and cats died, you know, we would obviously replace that pet void with something. And you know they've they've done it with apes, and then from there you're like, oh, and because we've done this, we've been able to teach apes and train them, and and they've become bigger and or uh, more self-aware and all this kind of stuff, which you know just kind of furthers the story. It furthers it. It's getting closer and closer to Doomsday. And yeah. It's, it's almost like you really wish you really wish the Terminator franchise could have learned something from this. Actually, in hindsight, and now, now that I'm thinking about it, because it's it's all leading to Doomsday. Yeah. And that's an or and or Judgment Day, and that's what you obviously assume. You know. That's what you want your film to kind of lead to, to kind of explain and stuff. And yeah, I just think they did it. They just did it really well, just 
really simple explanations. They're not really bogged down by trying to overwhelm you with stupid sci-fi mumble jumble. Like they're they're more interested in telling interpersonal stories and being very quick and sharp to explain and move past these kind of sci-fi themes and these like time travel themes and explanations yeah. to why there's apes as pets and, 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 and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's just kind of here's the world, here it is, let's move on. Um and not dwell on it. Whereas like I know I keep saying but like the Terminator franchise just keeps harping on about Judgment Day. Judgment Day. <laughs> Every film. Yep. Yep. But what do you think? Tell me your thoughts on Conquest. Conquest is wonderful because stylistically they're keeping it in continuity with the older films. Uh, there's a certain look and tone to the Planet of the Apes movies and they totally made that possible. It has a visual identity, you know, like you can tell mm. it's it's Planet of the Apes. Also, the way that they yeah. um, fused um, like their ideas again, um, Paul Den, who wrote this again, has some stellar ideas where the trajectory of the of the plot should go and the way that he invents all of these reasons for how the planet of the apes becomes planet of the apes by using the older films and um very simply connects dots and Mm -hmm. and has and also emotionally has uh caesar turn from a stupid little whiny baby to a fully vengeful leader, which is a complete contrast to Cornelius, who he looks exactly like because it's his father and stuff like that. It just it just has the setup of a really good movie. However, I have to say that the movie itself, it's not the, the best quality. It could have been uh, a lot better given uh, the source material that Paul Den wrote for it. But... Um, in the continuity of watching the movies itself, I think it's 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 pretty good, and it inspires you. When it was when I was watching it, I was like, "Man, I want to see a a remake of this. I want to see this movie." Yeah, apes and jumpsuits. Well, now everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, but you've already seen it. It's called." Rise that's of that's why that dumb. well, that's why I said I want to see a remake because I haven't seen one yet. I haven't seen <laughs> something. I haven't seen something where they take dialogue and um, you know things that these characters say to each other and the themes that they use in this uh which are strong yeah which are very bold you know like global it's not it's not just opening up save the cat the book and then just getting screenplay advice on it and writing a planet of the apes movie and saying this is the modern way of doing it which is what uh rise of the planet of the apes is yeah you know this is what i'm hoping for. i think yeah i agree i think i think by this point in the franchise like there's I like like you said the the kind of visual identity of the film is really great. There's the style of how they the cinematography is pretty much all the same, and I like how they do it. I like how there's a real kind of void of music throughout. Dude, there's some parts and the yeah, there's some parts and, in this that is just really good because of how little. Yeah, they like use. it just gives it's quiet, it's simple, and and then suddenly like things will explode. And I think I mean Conquest is really where the franchise starts to weaken, um, but at the same time it's still by no means a bad film. Um, it's still really great, and it's still one of the scariest films that I remember as a kid. Well, it ends like those with the downer, scenes yeah. of everything, everything on fire, and this kind of fiery glow on Caesar's face as he's telling these chimps and other uh, apes what to do um, just by, like, not even speaking, 
but by like yeah, by just nodding, nodding and looking and, and, and stuff and like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like it was so it just it was so scary. And that final scene where like everything's on fire, um, and and he's like doing his big rousing speech and all that kind of stuff. It's like geez, like yeah. it just it there is a. Uh, uh, even though it's it's got its weakest its weak moments in terms of like the overall franchise, it still really really packs a punch, um, and is and is quite impressive, I would say. And um, we will build our own cities in which there will be no place for humans except to serve our own ends, and we shall found our own armies, our own religion. Our own dynasty, and that day is upon you yeah. now. They didn't use that though. They could have, but Jerry no. Goldsmith wasn't doing the music. Did you um? Did you ever watch the the alternative ending? Yeah, uh, that's the theatrical ending. Yeah, but did you watch the alternative ending? Yeah, the, the, the okay. It's a conquest. I don't know if we were watching the same movie, Luke, because I was watching the one with a bad ending. With the original ending. Yeah, so did I. Well, that's the original one. The alternate one... But did you- the alternate one was the one that was released in theaters. The one where he's like... Where he says, uh, like... If it's God will that he be dominated with compassion and understanding. So cast out your vengeance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Which which one is that? That's the theatrical one, but that's not the original one. <laughs> in preview screenings... Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. In preview screenings... Uh, Parents were upset, so yeah. So that, that's what I mean. Like that's I was gonna say because I have seen both. Um, so because I watched the whichever they want to consider the alternate ending, I watched the one where Caesar's basically like, "We're just gonna rule you, you motherfuckers, uh, yeah, because yeah. you deserve it." Um, and that's the one that he wanted, but they changed to to be like lighter and not have such a dark tone. Yeah. At the end, um, hence why they had that moment with Lisa and she was like, "No." <laughs> um, and I remember that, yeah. But I think I think the the darker ending is just perfect, and I think it's I think great. It, and it's, and it leaves it open to be for another movie where we can probably see Caesar changing his mind, or you know, having him yeah. change as a character in retrospect of uh, yeah. his decisions. Yes. So again, like I, even by the like I said, even by this fifth film, like the franchise is starting to weaken. Yeah. But it's still it, this one still packs. I some was pretty good yeah. I was surprised because I being the fourth in a film. Yeah. Because I well yeah. Battle of the Planet of the Apes. That's the fifth one now. The last one. Mm. I was pretty surprised because I haven't seen it in a long time. When I was younger, I I thought it was boring and I don't remember anything. I just I very little. Um, but I'm watching it again, and I'm not expecting much, but I really was surprised at how many more ideas that they still added, and they still had something to go with, you know? I thought it was just going to be, you know, there's the bad guy, and there's the good guy, and the bad guy, and the mutants are coming, and they're going to attack, but then the good guys and the bad guys join forces and fight off the mutants. And, yes. Which is probably what and more of the Planet what... of the Apes is going to be. <clears throat> uh, probably, probably so. And I think like what's really cool about about battle is even though it's by it's definitely definitely the weakest, and and isn't it it doesn't hold up as well over time like the others do, but it you know I think what it does do nicely is it does nicely conclude the the circle theory of of Planet of the Apes yeah um, 
even though it's left ambiguous at the end, it's quite ambiguously obvious where the scene, where it's going yeah. to go. Um, because even even in the third film, like you remember, they they drop this name of of Aldo. Yes, this uh, Cornelius. Old, this ape named Aldo. Yeah, Cornelius who, was talking about yes. the history of the apes and how yeah. Aldo, and so this, this ape, yeah. you know, rose up and yeah said no and stuff like that. And then suddenly in this last film you have this character of Aldo and you're like, is this the same one? Is this what he's talking about? Cause it's like, Caesar's like supposed to be like the savior of the apes. So it's like, why is this Aldo person suddenly here? And, and, and stuff like that. But then what you, what you see is like, you, you see these kind of foreshadows of what's going to be the, the mutant humans in beneath planet, yeah, of the yeah. apes, which is, I think pretty cool. The deleted scenes feature the Omega bomb, which is in planet of the apes too, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's all these little connecting things that are kind of reaching out and saying, it's just going to go right back to how it was. Um, but also like the, the, the tension between like the humans and the apes, it's now the apes are in charge and there still isn't, but it's, but it's, yeah, but it's not as bad as, it's not as bad as planet of the apes. It's still, it's not as bad yet. It's still, yeah, it still feels like the humans and the, and the apes are almost on equal footing just about but not really like you know the humans are still they they have disadvantages here you know the apes are definitely the more dominant but it's not planet of the apes which is what i actually liked about this movie yes but it's definitely leading to that because you have this like i said this character of alda who's like really angry and bitter and hates humans but doesn't want to learn his general fade to learn i think that's that's what's such an interesting thing is you have this this war person this general who doesn't want to learn. Yeah, I remember he, they trashed the saying, school. They trashed the school and he's like, school's yes. out. Now we go ride yes. our horses. Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. And there's 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 something so so honest about that where it's like, you know, people, you know, just want their they just want their weapons. They don't yeah. need to learn about other things. They don't need to learn about equality. They don't need to learn about what other people are going through like it's just about this is me this is my place you listen to me because i'm in charge rather than learning to cooperate and live in unity um so even even by the fifth film there's still these really deep themes that are that are completely and utterly different to the previous installments and each single each film has a has a unique theme yeah. um I that, agree. Is, that is being exposed and explored um and 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 then of course you you know you have the you know Aldo obviously spoiler alert Aldo dies and you're kind of like in my head like I was talking to you about I was like well how does he become this figure of of like the hero of the of the apes and stuff like that and when you think about the original Planet of the Apes films like how in charge how in charge the gorillas were and how kind mm-hmm. of pushed to the side the chimpanzees were you kind of think okay. So maybe in X amount of time, gorillas build up their own kind of mythology. They eventually oppress the chimpanzees, push them to the side, gain their power. And then history books are maybe rewritten yeah. and people are taught that Aldo was actually the one. And, and, and so it still fits. Yeah, it's cool. And, and creates this unique, this unique, this unique circle. And it didn't have of, to be, it things. didn't have to be obvious. You could use your own mind to connect the dots. And that, that's mm. what makes it satisfying. Mm. Definitely. So I was, by the end of this five film uh, exploration, I was, I found myself really, really 
pleasantly surprised and shocked I'm by pretty impressed. how good these films still are. Um, how, how rich and deep they are thematically. Um, and I didn't, or you didn't, but I did. I, I actually watched Tim Burton's Planet of the Yeah, Apes I, I, I remember well. everything from that movie. I didn't have to watch it. Yeah. And I, this time I watched, I mean, it's been, it's been years, probably a decade or, or, or more than a decade um, since I've actually seen it. But I watched it this time with, with the commentary. Um, and Tim Burton said something that was really, really interesting. And I think this film is by no means wonderful, uh, but like his commentary his is hilarious is still, like, because he's, he's mostly uh, making excuses. You can feel it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can. And but even still, like his film at least tackled themes, at least had some interesting things in there. It was nowhere near as deep as the previous films. Um, it was but but what was interesting is he was talking about the idea of of kind of using CG CG apes and, and stuff like that and being being more CG heavy. Um and he talked about how much he really liked the original apes and he liked the fact that it was a human in a costume and like the fact that you kind of get a bit more uh relatability ish and and a bit more kind of that that human performance and 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 kind of weirdness coming through um which is why he he you know really wanted to go with the the the, the makeup design. And I, personally, yeah. I think the apes don't look bad in in his film. I think they look absolutely I think, fine. Uh, to me, the um, to me the apes in Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes uh, they look amazing, in my opinion. I just Rick Baker's yeah because um, yeah. he loves doing ape prosthetics, and funny enough, he was King Kong yeah. in the nineteen seventy six King Kong. Um, oh, amazing! <laughs> and uh, you know he's very interested in getting that. Simeon look right, and I think they knock it out of the park there, in my opinion. It's just the way they were used. I think so, too. I think... Um, yeah. In context yeah. of the narrative uh, of the film. The story... Yeah, the story isn't great. The story's a bit silly, but it's still... It's still kind of B-movie quality, where, like... Yeah, it's yeah, It's a yeah, bit yeah. stupid, <laughs> and... But you can still kind of sit through it and kind of enjoy it. Um, and you do get... You still get this this sense of... of, of resonating with apes and resonating with humans and 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 stuff um, which then kind of all of this compiled made us think about the new apes um the new ape film starting with rise the planet of the apes and dawn <sighs> yeah. to be the third which feels like the 33rd 33rd film in the in this endless saga yeah. um and just how shit they are <laughs> Because I, I mean, I said that we're not going to watch the new ones because I can't be bothered. I did try. Okay, last night I did try to watch Rise, and I made it about fifteen minutes, and I was like, maybe twenty or so, and I was like, nah, I'm going to bed. You didn't even get like, to the part where he goes, this. no, no, not even near that. And it's so I turned it off when he bit the dude's finger off. Right. Um. Sure. I don't. I when don't he bit the neighbor's finger. Yeah. Off. I don't remember these things. I, I haven't seen this it's, film. Yeah, I mean, like, it was one of those things where it's like the initial the initial concept is like, okay, they're trying to think of a new way of how Planet of the Apes could have started. But and like, why? Okay, well, it'll start by, who knows? I mean, look, I'll give them that. Okay, if you're, you're trying to think of a new way of doing it, fine. So you come up with this drug that cures Alzheimer's, but it doesn't really work. But for some reason, it, you know, mutates uh, apes and kind of gives them intelligence. But that's one ape. Only one ape. 
you know, and and I think that's what Conquest sets up really well is this whole it's, how yeah. just all of these apes kind of grew and mutated or evolved together. Whereas Rise of Plenty Apes, you have one ape who has this magic serum. And, and he I mean, takes like, the magic serum he, like... Um, I guess there's that gas... Like the ooze from Teenage Mutant like, Ninja Turtles. Yes. And he, they just yeah, turn into... And I, mean, I guess go first. Me? I know that's all I wanted to say. The ooze from Teenage yes. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh. And just starts rolling gotcha. them around and then they turn intelligent. Great. Yeah. And like later on in the film, if I remember right, and he's, he has the gas stuff and he starts mutating the other apes. But like in Conquest, there's this like huge uprising... In in Rise, there's like twenty apes. Like it seems like such an easy thing to get rid of. Yeah. Like it, to kill like twenty relatively intelligent apes just seems yeah. so but here's, goddamn easy. Yeah. Here's my. And uh, sorry. Go on. Okay. Well, here's my big problem. What I said about Conquest and all the Planet of the Apes in general, I I mentioned that their visual style and their tone were something that were um, so perfect for the story they were telling. This movie, and this was even way back in 2010 when I was seeing photos of the set, you know, like, oh, mocap, Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Mm. Planet of the Apes. And I was like, no, this is not how you do it. This, you're not, you're not making it a stylistic, you're not giving that identity. You're just making it a generic film, which is already what I've been noticing with all the photos from you know from a year before it was released and then once i saw the finished film i felt like they weren't they weren't using any of the old film's strengths at all and they were just taking the no. they were just taking the basic premise and putting it into what they think was probably uh like a this is how you're supposed to tell these new movies you know and it's just and they make it uh character centric but without uh, giving uh, any kind of complexity to it, it's very easy for you to see. Well, it. So no, I don't. I don't. I don't even think it's character centric. I don't even think you can say it's character centric. I think it's it's the only thing that it is centric is apes rule the world. That's their only. Yeah. That's the only thing that it's centered around. It's not centered. It's not centered around characters. Like as I was watching the first, like like I said, twenty thirty minutes. Yeah, of, you're of right. Rise, you're right. I just remembered um, that the the like, the, the pharmaceutical like, boss. Good old cutout mm-hmm. character. Yeah, you ha- you have all these really tip- stereotypical characters like okay, the the nice the nice doctor nurse at the at the zoo who f- typically falls in love with James Franco and his dad totally who has Alzheimer's and and those two are kind of fine but like Caesar like Caesar the actual monkey that we're supposed to be like falling in love Ape. with like I just found him to be horrible. I'm, you know, he's, 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 he's quite inconsistent. He's out of control. He's just, you know, when, when he sees these kids playing next door, he busts out of the house and tries to play with them. And then people are supposed to be like angry at the neighbor's dad for trying to beat Caesar with a bat. No, I would, I would beat and, and freak out if a vicious chimpanzee was trying to, uh, hurt, potentially hurt my, you know, two kids. I would chase it with a bat so I don't, you know, I really hated that the film tried to portray the dad next door as like this villain when it's like, I'm sorry, but he's fine. And then you have, you know, the uh, the dad who has Alzheimer's who who gets in the car 
And then the, the, the guy's like, what the hell are you doing in my car? Get out. Because he's crashing the car into the two in front of him. And you're kind of like, oh, but he has Alzheimer's. It's like they're very poorly trying to trying to emotionally manipulate the audience. And it's like, no, this dude who has Alzheimer's should not be yeah, able. No. He, should be in a, he should be in a hospital. Yeah, no. And so when Caesar Just... breaks out of the house and starts beating up the neighbor's dad and then bites the guy's finger off, I'm like... Caesar needs to be put down. He, this ape should not have been allowed to live in this house. Yeah, and the fact that he did, the family should be persecuted and should be sued, and Caesar should be put down. That's the end of the story. But think about this. Like, it was just so. Thick. Think about this. Like what you're describing is something that is so not what Planet of the Apes was going for. Because mm. you're look look at Conquest. Conquest is about a whole lineage of apes being used to be the new pets you know what i mean and for some reason i feel like yes. that gives it such more like it gives a bigger scope to it than just you know putting a simple story about a guy who has alzheimer's and his son is trying to make a cure for it and and there just happens to be an intelligent yes. ape well i think like i mean the other the other apes films like, like i said every single one of them has to do with the um these these divides between society and 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 different peoples and and why yeah you know in in the concept of kind of slavery and stuff like that that is completely missing from from rise yeah. like there's nothing about rise <laughs> that makes me think that there's any kind of mistreatment i mean yes no there's, there's just zoos, tom felton awful i'm i'm with you on <laughs> there's that there's just tom but felton like, and uh, brian cox so it's draco malfoy and striker being jerks and and then and then and that's all it is and then caesar just goes no and people are like really scared oh wow that's crazy i don't know it's just for me it just wasn't the potential that planet of the apes has to offer it's it definitely didn't didn't do what the old films did by a long shot in my opinion and as far as the visuals go and the tone it it didn't do any of that either didn't have that that unique flavor exactly Exactly. Like I, I just. I'm sorry. I just you know, have to I, say I this. Like watching Dawn of, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes as well, and I was just, I was so bored. I, no, I don't even watching, want to talk about that because I tried watching that film for a second time, and I wasn't very impressed the first time, and I watched it again, and I'm afraid I can't. I couldn't finish watching it. I was distracted. I couldn't see it because I knew exactly what the movie was going to be about, and I don't understand why yeah. people. Uh, are in are into thinking that this movie is any deeper than it actually is. I have no idea what they're what they're saying. Mm. Uh, the old films, it's ha- as deep as something. a puddle. It's as deep as a it puddle. It is because like apes together strong, and that's it. And then there's the humans, yeah. and um, and then the bad guy just going. He thinks the the humans are better than apes. He loves them better than the apes. And that's it. That's 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 your yeah. story. Yeah, oh. and it's like not even. I mean, even even in the like I said, the, even in the old ones, like with with battle, which is the weakest one, it's still this kind of this, which is the closest that these new films come is kind of a riff on battle, a little bit of a riff on conquest. Um, <laughs> but that's all it is. They didn't it, do anything it, new. But that's it. <laughs> no, they. You know, with with battle, you still have you know a general or commander. Klopp or whatever his name is, <laughs> um, the bearded, the bearded guy, um, who's you know who. There's been this 
air, this air, the small era of peace between the humans and the apes, and it all kind of gets kicked up again. And it's this kind of revenge plot where he's like, you know what, you've you've destroyed the world, and he's angry, and he wants to go back, and yeah. he wants to destroy Ape City, and and quit living in radiation and 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 stuff, and you know, in 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 obviously in, in conquest, it's this this kind of rising fear of of. It's you know like I said with with escape from the apes it's all it's kind of like this immigrant story this these two immigrants come over and then suddenly by conquest there's tons of immigrants that are here yeah. and everyone is just afraid that they're going to take over their country um, and they had and, something and just I mean hmm they did this one and these new ones just don't it's like I just what are you going to show like me even even think about this. Think about this the, with with the difference between con- conquest. Okay, so escape, conquest, and battle are all relatively within, or are all kind of connected within the same kind of the same main characters. So they all happen within like what 20, 40 years yeah. of each other, or something like that. Because yep. he Caesar's like twenty. Yeah, it's twenty, and then Caesar's like it's like twelve years later. So it's like thirty years in total is is what it took to to get to the planet of the apes, basically. Um, and, and, and there's such a huge difference. Like you, there's a, you're in the 1970s, suddenly you're in 1991 where it's very, everything is stone and cold and, you know, there's this just weirdness. And then by the, by, by the time you get to battle, it's, it's kind of etching very closely to, to what we saw in the original films where it's like, you know, green and, and AP and stuff like every single one is, is visually different um, and you don't really ever feel like you're retreading. Like even, like I said, even with uh, Beneath Planet of the Apes, despite the fact they have to spend some time retreading some place that we've already seen, we're still interested in the characters, and there's still interesting character stuff, like with Brent and and Zero trying to help Brent and blah 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 blah. But then obviously we didn't go underground and experience a yeah, brand new side, something else of this world, which was interesting. Because uh, um, Dawn and War, I'm sure they're both the same conflict. You know, it's nothing. That changed, and that's. Yeah. I think that's just a whole. Because because Caesar, yeah, Caesar has a kid in Dawn, doesn't he? Yeah. Doesn't he? Doesn't he have a kid in Dawn? So like, this kid is in this new one, and he doesn't look very old. So like, it feels like everything that this happened in these three films, like these these time jumps between those last three original eight films, are not necessarily huge time jumps, but in the jumps that happen, society changes rapidly. Um, whereas with yeah. these, like there is literally no difference, like style or time or anything That's, wise, yeah, exactly. between, like what the humans are like in Dawn and what they look like they're going to be in, in Rise. Like it looks like the exact same film. It literally looks like the exact same film. It's kind of like, it's kind of like villain of the week. Like, oh, this is our human villain of the there week in go. this film. There you go. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I was like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to bloody see that. That looks stupid exactly. and boring. And yeah, that's it. That's what I'm saying. I, and the way they filmed it. Never mind. I'm not even going to talk about. it. I think we're okay. We're good. We're good. I'm good. I think so. I just, I think, yeah, I think like the main, the main thing to take away, and I think that, that surprised me the most was that it was just how wrong they got Planet of the Apes. And it's just, it like, makes me upset. It makes me a little bit sad that. They kind of think that they're making it better. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Yes. But I mean, I love... Well, they do. They, but it, like, I love Andy Serkis' performance. I think everybody does. Everybody loves uh, the yeah. achievements they made with the, you know, with the motion capture and how they got the apes to look so real and the everything. 
like that. But it's just, you know, like that's something. I think it brings it back to, to what Tim Burton said in his commentary is like, you know, I feel like these CGI characters just, they feel thin and, I think the apes and the new ones just feel, they feel emotionally thin. They don't feel like I can relate to them. Because that's, that's even, even in Conquest, Caesar is the only ape yeah, that can talk. He's the, and everyone, else is, everyone else is wearing stupid masks. Yet somehow, I can still very much relate to Caesar because he can speak and stuff. But I can also relate to like Lisa, who's like, you can see she's learning. I cannot see where these CG apes are getting that. Like they're spending so much trying yeah. so much time trying to make them look like monkeys. That they're not thinking about apes. These monkeys are further down emotions. on lower levels. Just above humans. Yeah. You know, they're not they're not thinking about how, how they're going to subtly begin to change them from from kind of intelligent apes to super intelligent. There's there's just there's no jump there. And I think missing, I think there's, only, there's a there's a reason why the original apes films only had one film with unintelligent apes. Like you need the, you need that you need that super intelligent yeah. ape to kind of fuel to fuel that story. And the thing is, like this is the third damn film, and how many words can Caesar even speak? Like that, just that right there shows you how much they've missed the point yeah. of what this franchise is supposed to be about, and and what kind of what kind of sci-fi dystopian this is this is meant to be. Yep. Um, and it has no, like I said, all the other ones have these themes that kind of look upon that kind of hold up a mirror to society, and and there is no, there is nothing in these films that kind of feels like art imitating life. And life imitating art. There's there's none of that in these in these movies. They're just they've just they've boiled apes down to just loud action schlock. Um, yeah, plodding along, plodding along. And uh, that's about it. We went ape. We did. We went ape. Uh, thanks, Luke, for and it was great. It was great. I uh, can't wait to find another series to do this with oh that that's the that's the danny elfman one dun, 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 dun. Uh, yeah all right well thanks luke but, um, uh, we have a new podcast episode yay finally yay an a an a ap ap ranty yep podcast why not we need one of those once in a about while apes who doesn't? <laughs> and uh, I will conclude this episode by uh, quoting one of our greatest um, <laughs> endings of, of, of modern cinema. <laughs> From beneath the planet of the apes. In one of the countless billions of galaxies in the universe lies a medium-sized star. And one of its satellites, a green and insignificant planet, is now dead. The end! <laughs> which i still Man, like that was that such ending. a cop-out though it was i mean it's a great not? ending why not but it was just it was just so rushed it was just like boom everything explodes it's kind of uh, it's, al- it's almost like they didn't have any money to show an exploding planet no no of course not 
the budget kept going that. down for every movie. Yes. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. That is true. All right. Well, thank you, Luke. Thank, thank you very you much. You're welcome. I hate every ape I see, from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. You will never make a monkey out of me. All right. I was wrong. Uh, oh, I'm going to What's that line? I was wrong. And then something oh my God. along. I was wrong. It was Earth all along. <laughs> you have finally made a monkey. <laughs> yes, we finally made a monkey. Yes, you finally made a monkey out of me. Dun, 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 dun. I love you, Dr. Zayas. Dun. <laughs>